Welcome to Looking Forward, where we speak with experts about marketplace and societal trends, and most importantly, how they might affect you. I'm Jeff Ostroff, the host of Looking Forward. If you're like me, you're fascinated by trends in the future. In fact, several years ago, that was one of the things I focused on in a book I wrote. Hi, everyone. Our guest today on Looking Forward is going to give us an idea of where the job opportunities are now and where they may be over the next few years or so. He's Ryan Farrell, an economist with the U.S. Department of Labor's Bureau of Labor Statistics, where he works in the Office of Occupational Statistics and Employment Projections. Hi, Ryan. Thanks for joining us on Looking Forward. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Ryan, can you, first of all, set the stage here for our audience? Can you please tell us what work the Bureau of Labor Statistics does in terms of its employment projections, which, of course, is what we're going to be looking at today? Sure. So this week, uh, BLS just released its 2019 to 2029 employment projections. And these are released uh, every year in September to kind of coincide with the start of the academic year. And what BLS does is it takes a look at the overall economy, um, and it operates off a model that the economy is operating at full potential, just as our base level for the economy. And then we factor in the US population, projected population growth, uh, changes in the labor force, and then changes in industries and occupation. We do a little more research into occupations for you know, maybe new technologies, things that are, that are gonna change. We compile all that together and then we produce our employment projections, and those are broken out by different occupations, occupation groups, and different industry groups. And that's for a 10-year period. For a 10-year period. Now, while we're on that subject, and we'll probably get deeper into this, Ryan, we'll talk about COVID later, but things happen in 10 years. I mean, a lot of things can happen. Even if it's not a pandemic, that's not typical. A lot of things happen. So do you have to you, BLS, have to continually modify these things as you move through the decade? Well, this is actually our first year of releasing the employment projections every single year. Previously, they were updated every two years. So now we have oh. every year we're going to have a new 10-year set of projections. I so see. these are for 2019 to 2029 because we need, a, we need a, a full base year of data. So that's why we have, we're operating off 2019 as the base year as soon as 2020 hasn't finished yet. So next September, we'll have 2020 to 2030 projections. 2020 has been you know, quite a year. Yes. So we're going to see changes in those projections in 2020 to 2030, but also there's new technologies, there's changes in uh, the labor force, there's demographic changes, things that happen every single year and things that will happen over a 10-year period. So we'll have new projections for that 10-year uh, period every single year. That's true. So you used to do it every two years, and now you're doing it every year. Yeah, I think we're pretty excited about that because it does, you know, provide a little more timely data to BLS's data users and, and the American public, which are our customers. Absolutely. I think, I think it's terrific information. I've actually used it myself in the past. How about if you tell everybody a little bit more about the work that you do, Ryan, there? I know you're an economist. I mentioned that, but talk a little bit about what you do. Yeah, so I work in the Office of Employment Projections and more specifically within that office, I work on the Occupational Outlook Handbook and our Career Outlook publication. So the Occupational Outlook Handbook is, it's actually, it used to be printed, we were currently just online only, 
But the handbook is one of BLS's more popular products. And what it is, it's a, a handbook of about 300 different occupation groups or occupational profiles. And it's used by students, job seekers, career counselors, college counselors. And what it's designed to do is to give people an in-depth look at an occupational group and show what's involved with that occupation, maybe uh, some uh, employment project. We do include the employment projections for the occupation, but stuff as far as educational requirements, what someone in an occupation does, major job duties. And then if someone's interested, it'll show how to become one. So we'll look at, again, the educational requirements, training, licensing, important qualities to succeed in an occupation. And then we have a variety of other resources in there for you know, maybe someone's looking at a construction occupation, so they're looking at becoming an electrician. We'll have links to different electricians, trade groups, you know, unions, so they can follow up from there. They say, hey, I'm interested in this occupation. What's the next step? Oh, here's a link to, you know, this training program or this, uh, you know, this union organization where they can actually, you know, move forward in their career. I must say, Ryan, that handbook, which I only remember being hardbound, you know, I- yeah. I went to it a few times. I wish I had known about it when I was in college, even in high school, because it would have been so helpful to me. But it was still helpful to me later on. It's it's a terrific guide. It's just a wonderful guide. And if we do nothing else today but make our listeners aware of this guide, whether it be for them or for their children or their grandchildren, we've done we've done a great service. It's a terrific piece of work and I'm excited that you're involved with it. All right, just to add on to that, I, um, I didn't get a chance to, uh, the kind of as a supplement or, you know, goes with the occupational handbook in some ways, it's like the Career Outlook publication, where we have uh, some longer form articles, where there are feature articles, but we also have interviews with workers in different occupations, which are two different article series. One is called You're a What? The other one is Interview with a you know, dot, dot, dot. And this is where we'll reach out to workers in different occupations and we'll publish our interviews with them. So you can actually, if you, one of the recent interviews I did was with a glazer, which is a worker who works with glass, putting glass in skyscrapers, storefronts. So if someone's actually interested in this, they can, they'll read about the glazers in the Occupational Outlook Handbook, but they can also go to the Career Outlook publication and read our interview with the glazer, you know, see what they liked about the occupation, what some of the challenges of the occupation are, um, how they got into the occupation. So we have the handbook as, you know, there's a lot of hard data in there. There's some, you know, important information on job duties, but also, you know, you can go to the career outlook and you can hear about something firsthand. Thanks for mentioning that. Now, is that the second document that actually features individuals in jobs where you would interview, you've interviewed them and you put articles out? Is that relatively new? I don't remember that in my day, looking back on those things. I'm not sure when it was started, but I, I know it is newer than the Occupational Outlook Handbook. I think the handbook's been around for a bit longer than that. But yeah, there, there's, some, there's some fascinating interviews on there. You know, another recent one I did was with a pharma economist, which is, you know, someone who's an economist at a pharmaceutical company and works on drug pricing and all the work that's involved and how, how are they actually valuing uh, pharmaceutical drugs that they're producing and, uh, you know, just really, really fascinating occupations and the work that, you know, people are doing. Yes. And there are some people, this is the way I'm looking at it, Ryan, from my life experience. There are some people, and I think they are the minority, who from a very young age, whether it's a a child or a teenager or a very young adult, know what they want to be. They know what they want to do. And then there are people like me, and I think we're more the majority, who never quite totally figured it out until maybe later on. So something like what you just spoke about, 
understanding what the pharma economist does or the glazer does or many other professions would have been so helpful. And for people today, we'll get back to this again later, would be enormously helpful, I think, to individuals. So thanks for letting us know about that. Now, let's get to the U.S. job market itself, Ryan. How would you say, from your perspective, it's changed over the past decade or two? Yeah, so there have been some, you know, pretty big changes. And I think some of the ones that, you know, BLS has highlighted in the past is that, you know, we've had some larger demographic changes over the past decade or two. You know, we, we've seen somewhat of an aging of the labor force, but also in, in some cases, the labor force shrinking. And I can, you know, I'll be happy to send you on, you know, some information from BLS on that, where we have articles published in a bigger BLS publication called the Monthly Labor Review that we can link to. But we've also seen, you know, technology changes. We've seen the start of the gig economy. Um, so it's, you know, over a two-decade period, you know, we, we have seen, you know, some pretty pretty amazing changes in, in the economy. So speak to those two, which seem to be more significant. The gig economy one is a change and the technology changes. Speak a little bit about those as we look at how the market, the labor market, the job market has evolved in the last decade or so. Yeah, so this is, you know, part of, um, you know, what we have to do for, for BLS for, you know, the employment projections or any other data, we have um, occupations classified by occupation group. So I know this has been, you know, there's there's teams at BLS, there are teams within the federal government for our occupational coding system, where every few years they have to update this occupational coding system because new occupations come up. There are occupations that didn't, might not have existed 10 years ago that now exist um, you know, so we do have stuff like some of the, you know, for gig workers, the challenge is how do we classify an Uber driver? I think there's an occupation group for them where they're classified as, you know, similar to taxi drivers. But that is a challenge for a lot of, you know, data users or federal data agencies is as these new occupations come into place, like how do we record them and how, how do they get, how are these occupations classified so we can report wage data so we can report hours data for them? So you mentioned there are these new jobs out there that have come about in the last 10 years or so. And you mentioned, for example, the Uber drivers. Can you think of some other examples of new jobs that have come to play in the last 10 years or so? So this may not be the last 10 years, but I know, for example, like solar, uh, solar panel installers, those have been one of our faster growing occupations. That's something that we do report in the employment projections. But the other challenge is, you know, we have for when you release data, you have to follow certain data confidentiality standards. So if it's a really small occupation, you have a challenge of how are we going to report this data? And sometimes you have to push it in with another group because if it's such a small occupation, you can't publish reliable data or you're publishing data that could contain personally identifiable information. So that has to, you have to find a way to protect that. So they might not have published as much information about solar panel installers before, but now that it's a growing occupation, they might have their own. Now, now they do, but at a certain point, they did have to create an occupation group for solar photovoltaic installers. That's interesting because I wouldn't have even thought about that as a, as a job, although I, I know that there's solar panels being put up all the time. But that's an interesting example of something new that's happened, a new kind of a job. And what you're saying is there have been a lot of these new kinds of jobs that have been created over the last 10 years, different kinds of jobs. Yeah, I, I couldn't say the exact number, but you know, as as the economy changes and we do have you know new technologies coming into play, there are there are new jobs. And to to get into the a little bit of the nitty gritty, but the occupational system is called our our SOC, the Standard 
occupational classification system. And I think that was that's updated every maybe three to five years. But that, that did have to be last updated, uh, I think, probably about a year ago. And we're operating on that new system now. But, yeah, they do have to add new occupations to it um, every single time it's updated. Yeah. And, of course, we won't get into this, but there have been occupations or jobs that have been lost that are no longer being done. But that won't be the focus of our conversation today. Ryan, we're living in the midst of a pandemic. And what I want to ask you is, if there had been, this is sort of a hypothetical, but I think it'll lead to you to talk about something else. If there had been no COVID-19, what was BLS projecting as far as where there might be an increased need for workers or businesses? And, and then we'll get into how COVID affected that. Sure. So our projections actually, you know, so they're based on our 2019 base year. And part of the, you know, part of our challenge this year was that COVID happened. I think, you know, we, we started transitioning to a telework posture in March. And I think COVID started to get serious right then around, you know, around the springtime. But a lot of BLSs, most of our work had been done on employment projections before COVID truly hit. So our employment projections kind of reflect pre-COVID. Because the base year is 2019, we weren't dealing with, you know, the ramifications of COVID in 2019. So I, I think those are the numbers people can look at for you know, how did the economy look pre-COVID? What were our employment projections pre-COVID? And what BLS will have is by the end of the year, we're going to have for some occupational groups, there's going to be some updated data out there for what some of the impact will look like on the employment projections factoring in COVID. But we're not going to be able to truly know for a while some of these, uh, you know, changes to the economy, changes to employment projections until we have, you know, a full year of data so that'll be really shown in our 2020 to 2030 employment projections when we have that full base year for the economic models. At this point, knowing what you know about the 2019 to 2029 projections, do you think quite a bit of what is in there would still be applicable right now? It's still giving us a good idea about where there are going to be opportunities, or do you think quite a bit of it is no longer going to be relevant? Yeah, absolutely. So, so the, I, I think they absolutely will be still be relevant. And, you know, the message from BLS on this is that these are considered long-term projections. So we, we all, and granted, we don't know what the impact of COVID will be, but the idea is to capture a 10-year period for the employment projections. So some of the, you know, faster growing occupations in that 10-year period are projected to be, you know, home health care aides, which is reflective of, you know, demographic shifts in the United States that we're going to need more home health care aides. Another one of the faster growing occupations is uh, wind turbine technicians. Now, that's a smaller occupation, but percentage-wise, projecting a large growth in that occupation. So, you know, parts of the economy switch to you know, renewable energies. You know, we are going to, there's that natural need for wind-powered energy, and we're going to see more wind turbine technicians as a result of that. So that's something that's outside of COVID, but that's, you know, a longer-term economic trend. So that's not something that you, know, you would think would be impacted by COVID over a 10-year period. Okay, that's, those are good examples. If we go and drill down into that a little further, where are some of the best opportunities going to be for workers, for entrepreneurs, for small businesses? Again, if we, for the moment, put aside the damage that COVID may do to that, you mentioned a couple, but somebody's thinking about what to get involved with as a job or a career. Can you really lay out some good examples of areas where BLS is projecting 
there's going to be opportunity. There's going to be a need. Yeah. So um, I think this is probably a good place to, you know, bring up the occupational outlook handbook again. So you have some features within there where you can use our tool called the occupation finder and you can filter by and organize things by entry level education, projected growth rate, median pay, projected number of new jobs and on the job training requirements. So we know that people are going to have different levels of education. They're going to have different, uh, you know, I'm sure everyone, you know, wants to make enough to support themselves, support their family, but they might have different, people might have different salary expectations. Um, So you can go into the occupational outlook handbook and filter by, you know, if you want to look at a job that grows much faster than average, or you want to see a job that requires, maybe you want to see a job that's a, requires a bachelor's degree of central education, grows much faster than average, and has median pay of $80,000 or more. I just went into the handbook now and did that. And one of the occupations that comes up for something like that is actuaries. So, so there's going to be a greater need for actuaries? Yeah. So there, that's an example of an occupation where we're projecting much faster than average growth. It's 18% from 2019 to 2029. And we also have, this is so people can filter out if you, maybe it's a college student where they're saying, what, what should I study? They can say, they can see something like this actuaries. We have fast job growth, much faster than average at 18%, and it requires a bachelor's degree and also has currently, we have, we have current pay data. So with 2019 median pay data, and that's $108,000 per year, which is above median pay for the country. So this is kind of an example of how someone can use the handbook to see what occupations are growing and how to kind of get at that data. Let me give you some more examples of some occupations that are expected to have the most openings over this 10-year period from that would be Brian, that would be great. So some of these are fast food and counter workers where they're, we're projecting 826,000 annual openings. So these are going to be jobs that are opening up, whether it's someone leaving the labor force uh, due to retirement or moving to another occupation. Some of these other occupations are home health and personal care aides, retail salespersons, cashiers, waiters and waitresses, laborers, freight, stock and material movers. We have office clerks, janitors, and then stockers and order filers. These are the occupations that are expected to have the most occupational openings. And again, that's just job openings where maybe the occupation isn't growing as much, but it's still a large occupation. So you have people leaving the labor force every year. So there's still going to be openings. And this is where they're going to be the most occupational openings. Do you have any examples beyond the actuaries in the professional realm? Those were a lot of service workers. You mentioned the the, sol- the people do the solar paneling work. Any other more professional or technical kinds of positions where you would imagine there's going to be need or an increased need? Yeah. So some of these other ones where we're going to see much faster than average growth. So again, that's our projected growth rate for the for all occupations is 4%. So anything that's above that is considered faster. And then if it's even more than that, it's considered much faster than average. So some examples of that are construction managers. We're projecting much faster than average growth. Athletic trainers, we're projecting much faster mm-hmm. than average growth. Financial managers, these are occupations that require a bachelor's degree. That are, we are projecting you know, much faster than average growth. Can you speak a little bit about those service workers, Ryan? Uh, you, you mentioned like fast food. You mentioned retail jobs. Again, we, this may just be a blip on the radar screen, but right now people aren't going to these places. Do you envision that even with this, what we hope is a blip on the radar screen, there will still, over a 10-year period, 
be an increased need for those positions. Yeah, and again, so this kind of gets back to, um, you know, maybe the, the point from earlier where some occupations, we might not see them as growing occupations. They might not be listed as having job growth over that period. But these are a lot of those occupations where, you know, again, we mentioned like the retail workers or fast food workers. Those numbers were in reference to occupational openings. So, you know, if an occupation is not growing, if it's a large enough occupation, you're still going to see a lot of occupational openings, which are job openings. So where the job growth might be declining, if it's still an occupation that employs millions of people, you're still going to see jobs available in that occupation every single year, even if the occupation itself is, is declining. Okay, that's helpful to know. Along those lines, there are several specific areas I'd like you to just make a comment about. You don't need to give me 8% or 12 or anything like that, but just comment on these. If I were to come to you now as somebody looking for a new job, whether it's my first or maybe I'm, I'm even starting a business, and I say, Ryan, artificial intelligence, what does BLS think about that? Do they see like booming growth in jobs related or businesses related to AI? What would you say? Um, I, you know, I think some of that's probably going to fall under our data scientists occupation, where I think there is projected to be pretty strong growth in that occupation. Pretty strong growth there. I had a, another guest oh. on, Lauren McDonald, and he was talking about electric vehicles. And he talked about the potential jobs that might be created because of an increasing number of electric vehicles. Does BLS look at minutia like that, like companies that make batteries or related products that might be needed, battery chargers? Um, I think that would factor into some of the employment projections where maybe if someone is researching to see, you know, for some certain manufacturing workers, that's a, that's a type of thing that they would look at where if you're seeing maybe more electric vehicles manufactured in the U.S. or they're seeing, a, you know, battery plant being built in the United States, those are data points that they would use as part of their research into calculating the employment projections for certain occupations. Okay. I mentioned three others. One is education jobs. You know, teachers, superintendents, principals, teachers' aides, any general feelings about that area? <laughs> yeah. So we are, we are projecting, uh, you know, job growth of 4%, which is as fast as average for high school teachers. So I think they're, you know, for these occupations, they're still projected to be pretty solid growth for that. If someone, you know, wants to get specific, they can go and look at our post-secondary teachers, which is going to be our, our college professors. And those are uh, projected to grow much faster than average at 9%. So college and, professors projected to grow bigger than average, higher than average. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess our uh, phrase would be much faster than average, but yet at, at 9% compared to the 4% rate for all occupations. Another enormous area, and in my prior career, my expertise, my focus was on the baby boomers and the population over 50. At one point, I wasn't part of it when I was an expert on it, but now I'm part of it, so I guess I have more credibility. Demographics suggest, as you alluded to with home health care, that there's going to be an increasing need for health care people. So are there any specific areas that you might single out besides home health? that BLS is saying, Ryan, that there's going to be above average growth in? Oh, absolutely. So of the 10 fastest growing occupations, and again, these are related to our employment projections, but the percentage change, so percentage growth in the occupation, six of those 10 are actually related to healthcare. Wow. So 
we're projecting, you know, some examples, nurse practitioners at 52.4% projected growth, occupational therapy assistants, 34.6% projected growth. Again, the home health and personal care aides, physical therapist assistants, medical and health services managers, and physicians assistants. Those are six of the 10 uh, fastest growing occupations, and they're all related to healthcare. Wow. We talked earlier about how now BLS and your area, occupational statistics and employment projections, is now doing the handbook annually. And what I'm curious about, and what I think our listeners might be curious about, is other than things like pandemics, which hopefully we won't experience very often, what else might cause your department to have to make changes of a significant nature in projections from year to year? Oh, well, so, well, now that we are releasing them every year, it's kind of, it's a bit easier to, you know, incorporate those where we're going to have to update them every year. But I think, you know, things that can change it, you know, probably one of the bigger ones would be, you know, technology, something like that, where you see a new technology come into play where you're going to have to factor that into your employment projections for the next 10 year period. Maybe there are tasks that become automated where there's less of a need for workers in that particular occupation, or there's a new technology that comes in where you might see more people working in an occupation changes in the type of work that's being done for, you know, that's kind of, uh, I think the solar panel installers is another great example of this where, you know, as solar panels became cheaper, more people started getting in installed in their homes. So again, you might see a change in the employment projections for that, where maybe they increased the projected growth rate for in occupation due to you know, a certain product becoming more popular. That's a good point. And actually, it segues perfectly into something else. And again, you may be doing this off the top of your head, but on the flip side, where are we going to see the reduction in the need for things? So people might think about you know, I probably might not want to pursue that because it sounds like there's not going to be much happening in that area. It's actually going to shrink in terms of the available jobs. Yeah. So these are where um, what, we, what we have is the for the projected growth rate to decline. So there's still, um, it doesn't necessarily there's going to be no jobs, but this is not going to be growing as fast as, you know, some occupations are growing much faster. But, you know, some examples where we have nuclear engineers, that's an occupation where we're projecting a 13% decline wow. over the next 10 year period, you know, but we're, you're still going to see annual openings where there's still going to be nuclear power plants around and people that, that are going to need to be uh, working there. So you're going to have people that are retiring from working there. So we'll, you'll still see job openings, but it's not an occupation where we're projecting growth in the occupation. Okay. And I guess, again, in the handbook, people would find more of this information about where there's going to be a de potential decline in the number of jobs? Yeah. So, you, so in addition to, you know, searching occupations by a growth rate, if you want to look for ones that are going to grow, but you can also filter it out to see which occupations are declining. Okay. That's good to know. I just would like, as we're nearing the end here, I've got a couple of last things. One is maybe having you reiterate something, and that is we do have, as you well know, millions, literally millions of people who are in one way or another either looking for a new job, a new career, to get back into the workforce after maybe they've been retired or to start a new business, something entrepreneurial. What advice or guidance would you give them 
in terms of what you could do for them, not you necessarily specifically, but BLS and the work that you guys are doing, pointing them in the right direction for them, what could be the right direction for them? What, what guidance would you give them? Absolutely. So our standard disclaimer is that we're not career counselors, but BLS does have a ton of valuable information. So I would, I would point people to the Occupational Outlook Handbook, which you know we've talked about a decent amount, but there's great information on there in terms of occupations that are growing. Uh, if you want to find an occupation that's growing that pays well, you can use our filtering system on there. We have resources in there for people that want to take the next step and you know maybe find uh, industry or trade organizations so they can get some certification for an occupation, find a better way to enter the occupation. The Career Outlook publication, if you want to research different occupations, get some firsthand answers from people in the occupation. And then our broader employment projections data set, people are interested in digging through that. They can you know, look at all the occupations in terms of projected growth rates, number of occupational openings, number of jobs added over a 10-year period. The Department of Labor has America's job banks for free career counseling, so that's something they can look into. I didn't know that. Uh, and then each state also has a labor market information office where they do state-level employment projections. So maybe you know, you're not sure is you know, wind turbine technicians. Again, it's that example where it's projected to grow a lot. But if you're in Nebraska, I don't know how, if it's going to, you might not know if there's going to be that level of growth in wind turbine technicians in your area. So you can reach out to your state labor market information office and get some state-level employment projections to guide your job search. And then, of course, all uh, federal jobs are listed on usajobs.gov. Yes. And also, I remember when I worked in the Medicare program way back when, in the same building, we had people from the regional office. I was in the regional office, the regional office of the Department of Labor. Are those people of any value? Can they be of any assistance? Do they either present or put out data or anything again at that more local level they're federal they're not state so i don't know how does that all work um not for employment projections that we're not putting out the federal government isn't putting out the local or state level data but there's other bls you know employment data you know at the state level that people can look into where you know maybe there's other things they want to factor into their job search but you know absolutely if, if they have data requests or looking for information it it can never hurt to reach out if it's easier for them to contact their regional office of the Department of Labor or Bureau of Labor Statistics. If the regional office can't help, they always pass it on to us in the national office. Okay. Just to clarify before we finish up here, besides the annual products you alluded to where you interview people and you write an article and that sort of thing. So in between the annual products, what stuff comes out? on a regular basis that people would want to check out? Yeah, so from the employment projections standpoint, we have a pretty steady stream of articles and interviews published throughout the year. And that's through our Career Outlook publication where we have feature articles, we have interviews with workers, and we have other uh, little more data-heavy articles called Data on Display where they're going to have some or interactive graphics. Um, and those are all part of Career Outlook. So it's not just an annual release for someone to look for, but there's going to be information coming out throughout the year that they can find. Excellent. Then finally, let's make it crystal clear for everybody, Ryan. How can people access most easily this great information 
do people contact you at all or or is it mainly they just go to the website they don't need to speak to people at bls just clarify that how do they reach you or anybody else there and of course all this great information that you have been alluding to yeah so this is all this information is available for free online on the bls website free um, people free <laughs> absolutely always free uh the, the main BLS website, bls.gov. If you want to find the Occupational Outlook Handbook, it's bls.gov forward slash OOH. And then if you want to look for Career Outlook articles, those can be found at bls.gov forward slash Career Outlook. You know, you can always navigate the, to those from the main BLS webpage at bls.gov. Okay, bls.gov is key. Is there ever a reason to contact the office itself and speak to people like you? Or is it not, not so much that, but more just go to the website? Uh, we're always happy to answer any questions. Sometimes people you know, are looking for detailed information, which in some cases we can provide. Or if they have some questions about you know, information that's included in the Occupational Outlook Handbook, you know, we're always happy to answer any questions or, you know, help people find anything. Sometimes they can't find a specific uh, data set that they're looking for. So we're, again, we're here to help. We're here to answer any questions. That's great, Ryan. Can you give everybody your email address in case they want to contact you? Yeah, absolutely. It's Farrell, uh, F-A-R-R-E-L-L dot Ryan, R-Y-A-N at BLS.gov. Please feel free to reach out if there's any questions, more information you're looking for. Ryan, this has been terrific. A lot of people are not aware of all the great information that not only comes out of the DOL, Department of Labor, BLS, but many, many other federal agencies. And it's free. It's what our tax money, of course, goes towards. So it really behooves us to be aware of these things and to use them because they're incredible. I know Census puts out a ton of information that demographers use. When I worked at Medicare, Lots of great information was put out about healthcare facilities, nursing homes, and so forth. So, yes, that's one of the great things that you've told us here. You've really made people more aware of how they can tap into BLS data, DOL information. So thank you again for being a guest here on Looking Forward, Ryan. It's been my pleasure to get to talk to you. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's great to talk to you. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to this episode of Looking Forward. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something. I also hope that you'll tell others about our show. If you have any comments or ideas for future episodes, please contact me at my website, jeff-ostroff.com. That's J-E-F-F-Ostroff, O-S-T-R-O-F-F.com. This is Jeff Ostroff inviting you to join us again next time on Looking Forward.